Hello, this is Daryl War. For October 2023, I am going back to the beginning because I don't have enough discussion for episode 20 to do a retrospective on episode 20, Mark at the Moon. So, we're going to go back to the beginning. And this is the third time I've put this together. Thanks to equipment failing me, I did two other ones. And the second one sort of merged with the first one as far as what the machinery around here wanted to do with the information. It just decided that it was the old one and made it for the same duration and just kind of shaved off a bunch of stuff. And then, so yeah, I got to restart. And I decided that I got to restart because... What else can I do? I don't get enough discussion from listeners. I get kind of a handful of a few people talking to me. And yeah, that is really difficult. And um, the entirety of the show, unfortunately, slowly unveils a lot of the problems going on in the last decade, which was not my intention. My intention was to do a relief series radio drama that was multi-fandom for the 1960s soap opera Dark Shadows, in which you figure out what all of the characters wants and try to give them more advantages and a different format as opposed to the soap opera format that really takes a lot away. And it's a big lesson when we think it over because we go on and on about freedom of choice and it's your decision and blah 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 and that is such a freaking farce and I am so angry about it sometimes because that was how I was raised. I was raised to believe We all had all these choices and decisions and freedoms. And when I tried to make those decisions and freedoms, it was always, you can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, all right, so what's the real truth? We don't know. Everybody's just kind of going into this mode of, well, this is how it should be. Therefore, this is how it is. And that's not real. You know, that's why I've often explained to people, if you want a really good idea of how this world works that we've built Take a course in economics. It'll tell you a lot. And it was one of the things when I was getting my, uh, earning my diploma that my teacher was telling me, you know, I'm so sorry you have to take this five credits of economics. It's something that you do need a high school diploma for. And as soon as I opened the bonehead book about economics, I thought, this is how it all works. And it's being very simply explained to me. It is one of the most important courses. I appreciate that this is a staple of earning your diploma. I appreciate that. This is very important information, economics. This is how and why everything is all weird and and not weird in a lot of respects. So anyway, my original intention was to make a relief series radio drama for the 1960 soap opera Dark Shadows. And the reason I often say, what would it be like if we could find out who these people actually are, is because we're opening the doors for them with a relief series. We're giving them more choice, where you analyze all the characters. What would he want? What would she want? Who are they if they were given the delicate balance, which is where freedom of choice comes from? It's not because it's handed to you at birth. Because if it was handed to you at birth, you'd be able to pick what language you wanted to learn, you know? It's like, you learn what language you learn because of what you're exposed to. And we all kind of know that, but kind of don't. So, The Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows gives the Dark Shadows characters more choice and more freedom. And if you were able to get some of the things you wanted and be able to choose, what would that be like? (laughs) 
you see. And the world that we have built that is based a lot on subscription and continuance and somebody's always paying for something, we don't give people that much decision-making or choice. We claim that we do, but it's more about shifting their focus and attention somewhere else to make a quick buck. That's what our system is more about. And so in the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows, we're shifting the attention grabbing to decision making. And the way that I do that is by changing the format from soap opera to humor mystery serial. And the way that that is done is by inviting a lot of other show and movie characters to show up and introduce the soap opera characters to that format of choice and I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. I just wanted a relief series. I just liked the characters on Dark Shadows so much I wanted another option. And I knew that the show had been around for decades and so many people were devoted to it because of the whole run home from school kid thing. And oh my gosh, we've learned so much in the last 10 years and I'm so sorry for so much of it, even though it's not my fault. And that's why I kind of empathize with Barnabas because one of the things that I get angry about with him is like, quit blaming yourself, dude. I always get so angry. Quit blaming yourself. And that's a reflection on me. Quit blaming yourself. You know, you take on all of this responsibility for things that are not your responsibility. <laughs> and that's how Barnabas is, you know? So hopefully that's the reason that people enjoy listening to me blab and blab. I don't know. You don't get in touch. X-O-I-S-C-Y-T-H-E at hotmail.com is my email address. If you wish to write to me, I would really enjoy that. It's extremely rare that people do even though I've repeated the email address so many times and posted it so many places, and mostly what I get from that is spam and junk mail. You know, it's really sad. And I go back to the beginnings of the internet where there were all these frickin' promises, and so many have boiled down to BS. It is so sad. So, yeah, I'd love to hand over a layout and a time map of all the garbage that's happened to the people who were promising me so many wonderful things in the 1990s that the internet was going to bring. Some of it was correct. A lot of it was garbage. No, we're not going to have glass highways. No, we're not going to magically be in flying cars. No, all these things that you're saying are going to happen didn't happen. They started to happen and then stopped because of, let's go back to what I said earlier, economics, the way that works. You want continuance. You want to keep people stuck to a subscription format where they have to keep paying and paying and paying and paying. And as the late Frank Herbert once talked about in an interview where he was talking about the bureaucracy is there to keep itself in business. And if you want to accomplish something, your goal is to get yourself out of business. And that's what I wish to do in the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows. I want to put this thing out of business. I'm not in business. I'm not making any money from this. And if I'm not making from any money from this, I don't want anybody to subscribe. There's no reason for me to keep going endlessly. So that's the proof of uh, this task. And the, one of the big reasons that I've continued it is because it gave back so much. It cured an ailment that I didn't know the name for, for seven out of the eight years that I had it. And so, yeah, when you are suffering from something and you create something that cures it and heals it, you become very devoted. And that's also why I would make fun of some of the haters when they'd be all, like, trying to get approval for dissing my marriage. And it's like, oh, well, she must have, like, done this with her sweetheart, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you're just jealous. 
Because, of course, that's what somebody is going to say. If you're dissing on them, why wouldn't you be jealous? You know? <laughs> and that's the only reason that I could figure out that would make sense for people to hate me. is like, well, she gained all this stuff, so I hate her for having all this these good things. And it's like, okay, well, why would I be sharing the information if I didn't care about sharing the information, not just for free, but us paying for you to have it, if I didn't care about people, generally? The garbage we have been brought up on needs to change. We need to have better information. We need to have better options and understanding of who we are and where we are and how we got here. So... We're going to start from the beginning, and I would like to go into the commentary first for this recording, since it's already been a big uh, sadness. Hi, sweetie, I'm restarting. Sorry. There are a lot of comments for episode one, and the reason that is is because people got totally excited when they found out what it's about. And even just hearing episode one, they get really excited. Unfortunately, what would happen is when the commitment was made to help me with narrative discussion and commentary what would unfortunately happen a lot of nice people stepped in they would discuss episode one with me and then they'd go and download and enjoy 20 more episodes after that which was telling me yeah it's really good but it was also telling me the commitment has just shattered as far as the help getting the help in the discussion continually and for natural human needs that was the subscription that I am looking for is to continue the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows radio drama series by continuing to get narrative discussion about it. And that's why I've said in a lot of shows in the past, if you want to really help, go to the last one and talk to me about that so that I have more discussion for the last one and I can give you the next one and I could build it from the help with the discussion and the enthusiasm for that previous last episode in the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows. So there's a lot of discussion for episode one because people go to that one and me and my husband were joking with my cousin because he visited recently. And I said, how dare I ask for narrative discussion? How dare I expect it when people promise it? And my husband was making a joke with my cousin saying like, well, when I promised you didn't believe me, did you? I didn't really mean it. You know, and I was all, no, actually what they meant was I promised for episode one. Episode one is great. I'll go on and on about it. But then I'm going to take 20 more and forget you, Daryl, because <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's how it's been. And I was saying on my dreamwith.org journal, you know, it can't feel good to have done that. And I understand it can't feel good to be distracted up the wazoo by the tech wizards while you promise to help somebody and then you let her down by taking episode one, talking about it, and then taking 20 more after the fact. It's like, it can't feel good. And then to find out that you were being manipulated, you know, by big tech that whole time because they're scraping all your data and finding out all these idiosyncrasies. And I understand that because I was doing that with recording media since I was six years old, magnetic strip tape recorders and film cameras. I was doing that and people were upset in the 80s and 90s that I was doing that. But now they just give it away. All y'all just give it away. And it's not like, you know, the last 10 years, it's like, just look at me, look at me, look at me to get attention because everybody's being treated like a circus animal that is being trained to jump through hoops, flaming hoops. And then you guys, we all did it, you know, just got played like fiddles. It's really sad. And because I lived a recorded life and uh, analyzed recordings of people, since I was six years old, I understand how this works. And I'll tell you something else. To really understand how it works, you got to do it to yourself. 
That's how you really understand. You gotta surveil yourself and listen to yourself. Learn how to edit yourself and deal with the embarrassing stuff about yourself and live through it and get through it and change it. That's the big difference in surveillance capitalism, as they call it. That has not been discovered yet. It's like, you can't really understand what you're doing to people until you do it to yourself. And I have lived that life. So I will let you know that that is what you have to do to understand. And so there are a lot more narrative discussion things about episode one, and I want to go into those. Uh, Dear pen pal who encouraged me to do this so many years ago, says, I curled up with a pair of pugs and I'm resting my eyes, starting over from the beginning. I've not said enough about my fondness of Simon and Hecubus. I heard your versions of them before knowing the originals, and now I love them all the more. Anyway, you know I love your voicing of the various characters, but of the rest, I laugh. I'm always surprised by how much I laugh. And on a technical note, your sound effects are well done, and just enough. So, I miss her, and thank you very much. Someone with the initials DL, irreverent yet hysterical, can you keep a secret? Oh yeah, this fellow. Adam's Family Tree is the name that this person goes by. Good start. Now, how can the captain haunt Claymore into having Miss Scarlet from Clue as none other than his Mrs. Claymore Greg? Laugh out loud. Okay, you know what? I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, here's somebody who was briefly a pen pal, and I don't know. Introduction to Sir Simon Milligan and Manservant Hecumus. Demoted from television to radio. Now that's funny. Apparently, bridge is a consistent thing since it goes all the way back to episode one. I may have to look more into it. Now, okay, guys, I don't know how to play bridge. I've heard a lot about it. I also heard, you know, like read a lot about it in Charles Schultz. It's only a game comic strip that I got a book on. So I just thought it was the funniest thing. I was like, wouldn't it be the funniest thing that Sir Simon Milligan and Barnabas Collins know each other? by like some sort of partnering at bridge and that's why when Hecubus is starting to give that away Sir Simon Milligan is getting angry at him like no you know don't he wanted it to be thought of as more mysterious and Hecubus just starts giving away what the relationship is is that they were you know partners in a game of bridge and so that's why Sir Simon Milligan refers to Barnabas Collins as my old bridge partner (laughs) and that Hecubus reveals that you know the ghastly deed that they shared was cheating at bridge somehow and just silly and just silly 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 but yeah i don't know how to play bridge i'm sure it would be fairly easy to learn because i've i've learned a lot of card games they're kind of old school and haven't learned whist yet Uh, i've learned cribbage obviously introduction let's see what else um to wadsworth i remember hearing this part for the first time seven months ago and when was when did i put this in there june 6 2016 so it was probably before that that he told me this i can picture him getting into the job that quickly not surprising because presumably he went to go see clue the movie after you know learning starting to learn about wadsworth from my show unsure what's meant by the murders hopefully that's st- oh, well maybe he didn't see clue hopefully that story comes up later introduction to willie lewis character not voice barnabas sounds different this far back than in future episodes yes i tried to develop the part of his uh, voice a lot better less of a shifty accent could just be me barnabas and Ro- well i was just starting you know i was in my 30s and yeah i was just starting barnabas and roger investigate the slime covered kitchen how did Hecubus close the door for them? Because he's breaking the fourth wall and doing it, you know, like a stagehand in Dark Shadows. 
I recall from my very first listening that it was the Ghostbusters Slimer, but hadn't caught on to that this early in the episode. I know it was not until their vehicle was introduced later on that I realized it. Having another fandom introduced so early on in the series is part of what made me continue to listen. Despite that I have probably missed a ton of various fandom references along the way, knowing that it wasn't all Dark Shadows, which I wasn't very familiar with, was key, and you established that early. See, yeah, that's the thing. I'm glad that he was so descriptive in why he personally got a little interested. I think originally this fellow got interested because I was bitching about the internet (laughs) and uh, social media. And he was like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to just be on this thing all the time and not spend time with people. You know, this is not spending time with people. This is not, you know, it's like doing the opposite of spending time with people. This is anything but spending time with your loved ones. It is just so bad. And so he... You know, and then he got interested in what I was doing, and yeah, I'd like some help and everything. So, introduction to Victoria Winters. So, Hecubus adjusts the microphone. I thought they narrated a story, not a live performance. Interesting, and good to know, if so. Uh, Curious to why the Slimers don't mess with the alcohol. Yeah, I'm not sure why either. I just decided that, well, they're not going to take the drinks, because that's more vital to the Collinses. It's going to be the food that Slimer prefers. And that's what I remember from the movie and the TV, the cartoon. Roger is apparently a fan of Brandy. Why he likes that they left the alcohol alone, although he mentions Sherry here, not Brandy. Good subtle reference, regardless, as I'm sure Brandy drinkers drink Sherry too. The reference to Roderick Ushered was a good nod. I didn't catch it the first listen, though. Hadn't read the story in such a long time, didn't even recognize the name. Obviously, the Collins are well-educated. Happy face. Experience moving a Mr. Body. Ha 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 ha. Love it. Clue for the win. (laughs) Give me a clue. Another gem. Okay, good. Because, yeah, there is a line in there where it's like, you know, the photograph gave me a clue. That was Wadsworth saying it to Barnabas Collins. Because the photograph gave him a clue, meaning it was, it sort of showed that he didn't take pictures well. And that's, you know, one of those things that they say about vampires. If you can't see them in mirrors, you can't take their photograph, just goes right through them somehow. Lady on the Wall didn't catch what that refers to, so that's something Dark Shadows fans know more, because there's painting of Josette Dupre in Josette Dupre's room, where Barnabas kept Maggie Evans, trying to, you know, create her into being Josette Dupre, and later on they developed the whole reincarnation thing. It comes up later in the series. Like, with huge, it's like, you could say it's subtle hints, but for some of us, it's like bricks dropping. <laughs> it's just too obvious. We're likely in for some humor. Great. Another great but subtle thing. I just love. Yeah. Uh, The speculation on why Wadsworth stopped into the coffee shop is very interesting. Makes you wonder if he has an ulterior motive. Why would Maggie not be ready for company yet? Because this person didn't watch Dark Shadows, so he doesn't understand, like, the, um, that we're interrupting Dark Shadows after her kidnapping, so she's a little, a little, she's been a little unsteady for a while. Barnabas mentioned it. Since this is post-kidnapping, it's also strange she has taken so kindly to him. May need to look that up more, especially seeing how she feels so comfortable with him now. And that was the thing, you know, that was the thing that said a lot to us, is that in the original show, she seemed really comfortable with Barnabas after the kidnapping. And I don't think that had anything to do with any hypnosis. I think it was more like, you know, it felt to a lot of us more like, well, he's familiar to her and he's familiar to her because the reincarnation thing that they're bringing into this show. 
Jet beats Colts 16-7. Super Bowl three reference to 1969. Oh, is possible in the later DS episodes timeline, episode 620. Uh, okay, so yeah, I've definitely messed up there. Uh, Dr. Lesh saying they are trying to find natural causes is interesting. I couldn't find a timeline for poltergeists to know if they are out of time. But still, late 1960s seems appropriate. Well, that's very kind. At least we now know it's Slimer officially, though. Ahahaha. <laughs> this is good. The speculation on why Wadsworth stopped into the coffee shop is very interesting. Makes you wonder if he has an ulterior motive. Why would Maggie not be ready for company yet? Yes, uh, Barnabas mentioned it. Since this is post-kidnapping, it's also strange that she has taken so kindly to him. May need to look that up more, especially seeing how she feels so comfortable with him now. I think that was said before. The talk about Julia playing historian and the hint that she's up to something else, discovering Barnabas is a vampire, maybe, is also interesting. The slight on Roger's amount of drinking was funny. Could find no reference to who the cook was at Collinwood. Yeah, call, that's, yeah, because I made up an idea of a cook because I got this idea from multiple people playing Mrs. Johnson in the early days of Dark Shadows. So I just thought, well, maybe this person, this extra person playing Mrs. Johnson is the cook. So that just, that was me not being as geek as I should be. My favorite parts of the sixth scene were the crack about the resident's peripheral vision, the part you mentioned about Wadsworth saying that screaming is not out of the ordinary and him saying he handles a variety of inconveniences. I would say the humor was a tad subtle, meaning I'm not sure I would definitely have caught them on only one listen through. But still, they shouldn't always be in your face either. Takes away from it. And scene seven, Wincliffe Sanitarium. I need to see what other references come from that place. Sounds interesting. I didn't figure out why Slimer was calling... Janine's name, because that's Janine Melnitz, who was played by Eddie Potts in the film and was also in the cartoon. And in the cartoon, Slimer seemed to be very attached to Janine. It was like she was his mom or something. Unless I looked up the wrong one, Ghostbusters secretary? Question mark. Yeah, that's, I think that was who Janine Melnitz was. But still, an unknown reason is interesting in its own light. I feel I should know the split the whole decanter reference, but none comes to mind. And the Clue song, awesome, awesome. Awesome possum, I think he says. Oh gosh, hidden object for episode one. Your sound effects are great. Switching between characters was very smooth. Just recently watched Clue and enjoyed hearing Wadsworth and the fun line, can you keep a secret? So can I. I love that line. So many people do, including me. Made me laugh. The description of the kitchen made it easy to picture the, the mess. At the mention of a green floating thing that left slime everywhere i immediately thought of the ghostbusters theme song i found it pleasing that they showed up at the end and captured the ghost wadsworth rationalization was priceless because yeah wadsworth is saying well it's got to be a patient from wincliffe sanitarium because <laughs> of this this and this you know and uh oh and the previous fellow that i was he had the huge one for episode one from earlier the first time listener just now found your show Never got to watch the show on broadcast, was attempting to when Netflix had it, but then the entire series went poof. So far, really liking this, and the outro song was amazing. So that was 2016 that he said that, and I uh, guess it's just brava, you know, kind of bravo. And Oh gosh, this is an extra from Helena from 2015. 
Old Wadsworth, can you keep a secret joke? Definitely added to the feel of him transitioning from Clues Hill House to Dark Shadows Old House. Cool. Wadsworth would normally be considered a threat to Barnabas for having knowledge of Barnabas's double base case. So, but since everyone could keep a secret, then why not, right? Nissan Rogers' usual sarcasm making me imagine the usual cut eyes and sighs and why do I bother look on him and as expected. When wasn't there a problem with the at the main house, shaking my head. Hey, Vicky's and Barnabas's references to the reference to the past. Spotless on the comparison of Roger to Naomi because of all the drinking and the time. I guess he remembered Vicky being back there. Hmm. Unlike on the show. Seriously, I didn't think of Slimer being the entity when I first read this until the big reveal. So I was kind of slow with that. Yes, Barnabas is a regular family-friendly version of Christian Grey. I thought, lad, I'll lock up Maggie's Evans until she becomes Rosette. If not, I'll take her to my cellar of pain. Ha ha ha. And yes, we must include a DS blooper and Slimer too. Well, what can we say? Barnabas did have an extensive lie down, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So Mildred Mayhem can spot a cross-dresser on spec. Gossip monger. The moral of Maggie's looks, well, she doesn't remember her kidnapping, and she did have a genuine liking for Barnabas at the beginning anyway, and to combine with the last question, I enjoyed the outro song very much since the events at the main house were comedic in its spooky, scandalous way. Yeah, so she was going back to a blog entry where I'd, I'd say, okay, let's maybe do discussion questions, and that'll prompt people to have narrative discussion, and so that's why the pit of ultimate dark shadows dot wordpress.com exists is to give you an idea of what i'm looking for as far as discussion narrative discussion is so i wrote a lot of questions per episode and i say answer one or more because it's the, the discussion questions are just to get you started to doing it naturally because we used to do that naturally in the 20th century and now it's a we just got wrangled into and being anti-spoiler and all this weird stuff and ratings and reviews and just treating each other. I mean, this is just the industrial revolution taking over entirely. And we are not built for that. <laughs> we're just not built for that. We're built for change and progression, yes, but we're not built to be factory creatures. It's just, we're just totally abusing ourselves with this whole industrial treating ourselves to being on conveyor belts and nitpicking up the wazoo and just and and rating and reviewing each other as people and that's just disgusting and we all know that it's disgusting and we would not want it done to us or our children okay no it's just terrible yeah you get a lot of tasks accomplished and done by the factory method and the cheaper by the dozen but natural human beings and all the like wellness and meditation and stuff that we're always yammering at each other about that's not industrial revolution tactics that's totally different let's keep reading the discussion oh good so the lady i talked about for the pen pal of don't binge the pit of ultimate dark shadows because then your head will explode who the pen pal who agreed with me about about that so here is her take from approximately 2020 on episode one that she did make a few notes of things that she wanted to mention about the episodes i did listen to knowing that all comments are grist to your creative mill so let's split a decanter of sherry and i'll hit you with some thoughts the reference to penobscot county in episode one yes i went back to the beginning in your introduction to episode two you mentioned disliking the jason mcguire slash willie loomis storyline mcguire 
and she's trying to make sure she's spelling it right. And Jason's treatment of Willie because it was ordinary soap opera and not spooky. Now that I've seen some of Dark Shadows, although I still wouldn't condone Barnabas's treatment of Willie, it could be argued that it was that that it is involuntary because he's under a curse, whereas Jason's treatment of Willie was entirely voluntary and therefore much worse. <laughs> That's good. Uh, in the plot that you describe as nasty, 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 where Angelique has a tea that will cure Sarah, but if it works, Barnabas must marry her, I was thinking, isn't that basically the same as the opening plot of All's Well That Ends Well? Then in episode four, Sir Simon says, Hecubus, you're giving away where we've ripped off our plot lines. Ha ha. By the way, I adore the interjections of Hecubus' manic giggle. Willie's treatment in episode 5, calligraphy as a cure, is great fun. If only more people understood the benefits in character that can be gleaned from simple good penmanship. And that is something that Professor Stokes says in that episode. Your definition of waitressing as serving up food to all sorts of folks in a confined space is wonderful. I'm sure I must have mentioned to you the last time I listened that I actually laughed out loud to the surprise of my fellow train passengers at Maggie and Barnabas's little flirtation over coffee. Maggie, and you took my hand why? Barnabas, emphasis. In episode six, so long ago now, your intonation for slightly drunk and over-enthusiastic Roger is perfect, spot on, and brilliant. Your phrase, a cacophony of flippant nuances, uh, amused me hugely, but for reasons you couldn't possibly know about, dot, dot, dot. At the end of episode six, I like your hint of a Transylvanian twist to Barnabas's accent, even though vampires were unknown in Collinsport. Let's see. I fell instantly in love with Gomez, not that I didn't always adore him, even before the arrival of epically talented and much lamented Raul Julia in the exchange about the cocktail... Is it very strong? Of course. Heart, heart, heart. Manservant Hecubus, described as my brimstone baby in episode 8, was another laugh-out-loud moment, as was everyone's been someone else there at least three times, meaning whole, all the reincarnation going on. Writing about the pit makes me want to go and listen to all the other episodes right now, but it's getting late, and I'm not sure I'd stay awake long enough to find out what happens to all our favorite residents of Collinsport. Well, I think that's just about all for now. So until next time, take care. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, somebody who came in, like, around 2019. I wanted to keep in touch with her, but... Uh, she says, I know I'm late to the party, but I only just found this. I was looking for Adam's Family crossovers. I'm loving it so far. Bringing in Wadsworth from Clue was brilliant. The Ghostbusters bit was great. Must have been an escaped mental patient. Laugh out loud. I love the Rocky Horror reference as well. Yeah. Oh, and a pen pal uh, who is also an Adam's Family fan. Let's see. I'm all about the house layout and the shock at Wadsworth. Better homes and gardens. Laugh out loud. Perhaps Victoria, I believe, may be the mad one in the kitchen. Holy cow. This is a 50-year-old series, Dark Shadows. Roger was quite at odds with Wadsworth's nonchalant of how the bloody or gelatin dirty wall-to-wall mess there was, not even realizing how much blood he was stepping in. Wadsworth thought thought nothing of it, like it was normal, and the funny thing was that Wadsworth blamed the maid. She wasn't doing any cleaning till her supplies came in, and always problems shock. The joke of the last helper slash butler was funny. 
and how Wadsworth catches themselves in keeping his story straight. Roger um, tries to up one on the past helper, but Wadsworth was able to answer all and not be affected by the past. Can you keep a secret? So could I. The portrait is such a big topic. Wasn't a good photo uh, in the magazine, like Barnabas wasn't quite in the photo fully. More like shadows of him, or it was unfocused. <laughs> yeah. Natural causes to relieve. Football game time. Laugh my laugh LMAO. Why do I think Ghostbusters for the win? Coming out of the toilet. Laugh out loud. Slimed. Arg. Laugh out loud. It's uncanny how close Barnabas and Maggie are, and he was able to sense her forgetfulness on her locking up and hot plates. Let's see. And the cross-dressing is great on Wadsworth's recognition. Maggie and the portrait, reincarnation. I do believe he wanted to make sure she was good. No complaints on the drive home. Beautiful views and spacious homes for Wadsworth to enjoy. Barnabas did think about Maggie's looks till the ride home. Barnabas hadn't reflected on his feelings for Maggie until that moment. Wadsworth managed to lose the Ghostbusters vehicle quickly from behind them. So instead of blood everywhere, it was ectoplasm. That's very good. Yeah. And Slimer slimed everyone and everyone in his path, like in the Ghostbusters movie. Brilliant. I do like how you interlace Dark Shadows and Ghostbusters, New World versus Old World people, and how people can believe one story over the other to better live with what was too hard to focus on what truly happened. And who wants to believe the truth? <laughs> this is why I love using my brain. And to Wadsworth's explanation, it was a mental patient and ambulance nurse orderlies is awesome. The old, the oldies music was the perfect ending. Cause that, yeah, that's the, um, um, shake, rattle and roll song that she's referring to at the end. Oh gosh. I think this is Tito sleep in a double bass case. Love that line. Oh no, no, this is some other guy. This was somebody who I started to be pen pals with and he kind of floated away. Uh, near and dear to my heart as I played a lot of jazz on my upright and even coach student jazz combos at university from 1997 to 1999. So if you ever listens again, he'll probably know who he is. Oh gosh, who is this? From 2016... Hecubus, I love the tone of his voice when he said, Yes, Master. It was eerily funny in its reverberation. It actually reminded me of Princess Jasmine in Aladdin when she acted like she was crazy when Aladdin told her potential captors that she was his sister if you have seen Aladdin. Yes. Basically, Hecubus sounded crazy. Laugh <laughs> out loud. Wadsworth, based off Tim Curry, right? Great impersonation of him. Was laughing out loud at Better Homes and Gardens, most uncomfortable. Did you say gelatine as gelatine? Uh, for an added effect. I'm only familiar with it pronounced gelatin. No E. Just curious. I loved Victoria's voice. It sounded very innocent and womanly. Laughing at Leprechaun's appetite for our larder, when one of them said, Ah, what a messy pile of goose. Sounds per perkily happy. Yes, I think that was Agubus. Laughing at the, wor the word and Jets beat Colts. 
many footsteps running reminds me of Captain Kirk slash William Shatner's rate of speech. Um, was the mess in the kitchen caused by Slimer from Ghostbusters? I believe so when Slimer was mentioned later in the episode laughing at cough historian and just coffee shop laughing at ecto one uh you asked what the moral was about maggie's looks and that wasn't quite what the question was but um i have to go look back at that i guess because yeah i know there's a lot of confusion over it okay that's bad news Let's see. So, question five. Barnabas meets Maggie again at the coffee shop, likely wondering how he got up the courage to go. This is post-kidnapping Maggie, after all. Any fun stuff here? By the way, I made up Mildred Mayhem. Uh, considering Wadsworth was played by Tim Curry, there are little Rocky Horror jokes laced throughout my show. Uh, let's see... Let's see. The ride home, that's question six. The ride home with Wadsworth. Goofy stuff occurs, of course, but the moral of what Wadsworth expresses in Maggie's looks, how did that strike you? Now, I think what I meant by asking that is the dialogue um, Wadsworth says, I'm sure you'll find her much more familiar than simply in her looks, he says to Barnabas. Haven't you ever liked her for herself? Meaning her character, her personality, that kind of thing. It isn't just her looks that he's interested in. And that's part of the question, is that, you know, haven't you ever liked her for herself? That there's more to it than just, you know, people being hot and bothered by, you know, physical attraction, that kind of thing. It's, uh, yeah. There's something in us that's a little deeper than the physical and the optical, that kind of thing. Believe it or not, there is more to us than just the superficial stuff. And we forget that a lot of the time. Oh gosh! So whoever this was, um... Laughing at, at the ending song with the kitchen references. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, I know you said just a couple of things mentioned about the show, but I thought I'd give some hopefully good feedback. I will make it less than 16 things for the next episode, and I have no stage fright on giving you feedback. Well, it didn't continue, so as far as I know, like, it, it just didn't continue, so hmm, it, that's one of the sad parts of uh, my show and my story, etc., etc. Let's see, so I wish I knew who this was. 2015. The sound effects are awesome. Very impressive. The voices are distinctive. My favorite voices are Maggie and Roger. You did those the best. Very consistent and easily identifiable. The plot was relatively easy to follow. Even though I don't have a lot of experience with 60s TV shows, the suspense and mystery are good. And the plot was engaging. Once it got rolling... Oh, yeah, I think I know, remember who this is. It's like a friend of a friend. Figuring out that Slimer was caught, was the culprit was fun. You may have told me earlier that he was, and I forgot. The length of each episode was about right. I liked 
that you had an opening song. That's all I can think of for now. I wonder how I got that. <laughs> that was nice. Gosh, 2014 is wonderful. Someone says, yes, podcasts are definitely a good idea. Two years is a long time. No wonder it's so long. I'm glad that you're so passionate about writing. You're very devoted. Obviously, I got passionate in more ways than just writing, you know, or just typing out the story. I'd love to read more, but of course, no pressure. I understand how time consuming this can all be. So yeah, I think that was just an uh, online Adam's Family person. Yeah, Adam's Family fan looking at the fan fiction. And okay. What else do we have? Okay. Just a ton. Oh, this is Tito. Right away, you can see that Wadsworth and Roger are different types of people. Wadsworth immediately starts working the door for Barnabas, which is a, a genius interview stra strategy. And he retains enough mystique and composure so as to not come off as a sycophant. I guess Roger comes in to get into the issues with the paranormal at the other house. Great voice characterization for this guy, and the sarcastic attitude shines through. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Tito liked the Dark Shadows film, but with my Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows, he kind of latches on more with, like, the Roger that I have, which people have told me, a lot of Dark Shadows fans have told me, your Roger is spot on, you know, and... I try to do that both with his voice and the lines, you know, because I felt like he was a vital component to the original show. And it's funny because Tito hasn't watched the original show, but he picks up on Roger being Roger, which I think is wonderful. He just likes the sarcasm. But he likes everything about Roger that I like about Roger in the original. And I did my best to emulate. Um, let's see. talk about somebody crying werewolf which i thought was pretty funny but i didn't catch who she was referring to if it was roger or david or someone else completely so yeah the kitchen is in a self-perpetuating state state of destruction or so it seems sounds like my kitchen sounds like my kitchen haha <laughs> the clue i guess lies in the gelatin jokes and uh jokes that roger relentlessly churns out good stuff didn't go into aspic territory too deeply incomprehensible as a source of nutrition genius i am a little unsure about the significance of the conversation regarding the photo in josette's room uh, okay yeah because he doesn't know the original ds etc etc um i guess it would have to do with revealing barnabas as a long-term fixture in the community is that right i got distracted wondering if vampires showed up in photographs I might have to listen to this part again. I thought the part was pretty. This part was pretty funny. The way the Poltergeist guys are slightly distracted by tuning in football game broadcasts on their sensors. <laughs> the Poltergeist reference makes me wonder. Maybe I was just prejudiced against Slimer, but then the resolution of things made me realize that my prejudice was spot on. Did Slimer have to use the toilet as an entrance? The answer is simply. Yes. <laughs> he gets it. Oh my gosh. Oh, I miss his discussion. It's always such a treat. Even back to this one, all the way back. I like the voices and the conversation here where Barnabas gets all verbally effusive about Maggie's beauty and she says, keep going. And then he really pours it on for evidence as it is revealed that Wadsworth is the shit. <laughs> 
I like these sound effects and right away was like waiting for someone to cough up some coffee. I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> it's the kicker. I like the abstracted joke about the local community lacking peripheral vision as though it is some genetic issue <laughs> for the downfall. Oh, He's so good. <laughs> and it's funny because he is about that when him and my husband talk music. He does a lot of the this great stuff where you know he really does analyze all these parts of the songs and the albums and everything it's just he's just genius at this kind of discussion oh that is what i live for i live for this kind of thing i like the abstract joke about the local community lacking peripheral vision so it's a genetic issue <laughs> for the town folk i like it when things are set up as a joke and then you're left thinking what was that delivery and timing is sometimes more important than meaning <laughs> This car ride home is a section where I think I missed the point. I liked the goofy, res goofy resolution to the apparition issue. I know that Wadsworth was giving some non-pushy counsel because he's the master. I guess I just take for granted that what he says is truth without subjecting his words to the scrutiny of comprehension. He's that good. <laughs> Roger is the perfect character for a recap, and then Wadsworth twists up everyone's dome with a Jedi mind trick whitewash of what has transpired that's pretty that was pretty funny but also intriguing is he in cahoots with slimer what is really going on here hey intrigue is good i'm not complaining great musical number to wrap things up and provides the preamble to roger's sherry chugging contest oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> it just brings you right to the episode if you've heard it let's see and then after tito's a guest says this almost seems like a dream a darkness the people talking the people that speak seem ushered into a room to meet new friends or foes whoever it's not a nice journey but do you want to be happy do you really want that kind of kick i doubt it there is more pleasure to be gained with breaking glass than making it there are sounds that cure calm and comfort this podcast embraces all three like those three bullets that lee harvey oswald dealt upon the president that day in dallas oh my gosh that's terrible i don't like much but i like this subscribe listen and learn comrades this is about as good as it gets have fun stay alive and tip your bar staff so that seems a little like you know i'm i'm taking a test review you know it's like the review is kind of like i have to be good because everybody's going to see this like there's just this concern about making it perfect and that seemed to be part of what that is is uh was detailing mm, here's another pen pal david do you have any yummies he's busy being a crossdresser or something he 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 love how well voice acted this is captures the humor of the old 60s show while modernizing it a little with the slang slash language not to mention the story line being more sophisticated perhaps a darker tales to the crypt tales from the crypt oh gosh okay 2017 i had the pleasure of listening to episode one parapsychology now i must confess that some of the characters were unfamiliar to me but i'm starting to connect characters and the relationship as in dark shadows i love the idea of a world where any character can be included I enjoyed the, the episode very much. You have an ex, a excellent character voice and played each part very well. I loved the script. It was funny and absorbing. I didn't recognize Wadsworth at first, but the name rang a bell. And then I remembered. Okay, I googled him, but I remember Clue, Tim Curry, in any role is memorable. How could I forget Pennywise? So, Daryl, I'm loving your work. Thank you 
for introducing it to me. Tomorrow is Sunday and my free day, so I'm thinking big coffee in episode two. Oh, and Sir Simon and Hecubus are perfect. You nailed them. Looking forward to meeting the more meeting the more of the characters you mentioned. Okay. So I'm not sure who that was. Oh, yeah. This is a pen pal who I still write to, and I really appreciate it, even though it's a little bit of a bummer because it's a, a kind of a rejection. Um, but she was honest, and that's what I needed back in the day, you know, back in year, a few years ago. So I listened to your first episode, and it's not really my thing. I, I've never seen Dark Shadows, so I don't know a lot of the characters, and it was kind of hard for me to follow and keep track of who people were. I did love Shake, Rattle, and Roll as the end song. Good choice. And I forget his name, but you did a great impression of the kids in the hall guy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Just one of the two dudes, she, she notices that at least, you know, there's one little bit. <laughs> What else do we have? Oh, okay. A lot of empty space to cut. Let's see. Wow, 2015. Also listening to the podcast version of this, but I know the audio site is expensive, so I took the advice from the house soon is now extra, and I'm also placing my reviews for this work here. I am in agreement with Daryl War about the wasted time in some of the first episodes of the Dark Shadows television series, waiting for something to happen. A factor that caused me to lose interest in the series when it started. So, yeah, someone who remembers the show from the 60s and was like, uh, and uh, just, like, losing interest because it's always waiting on the edge of your seat. And you just, some people do get bored with that. They don't just keep waiting. They, they turn it off, you know. And, uh, Let's see. As Daryl pointed out, criticism has been around for such a long time for many reasons, such as making someone feel better about themselves, a way of being intellectual. I think the art of criticizing really became popular when the screen critics would review a movie. I would watch to get a synopsis of what different movies were about before seeing them, but it seemed more than reviewing what they were about. The critics criticized the movies, what little more credentials than to be a movie goer. And as time has gone by, TV shows seem to adopt the premise of criticizing others for entertainment purposes. It seems to be the thing these days. It's sad that we're forgetting that feelings of the, the, the feelings of those we're criticizing are involved. Yeah, that's nice for someone to mention. This was back in 2015. This was done, uh, written. I enjoyed the first episode parapsychology. I loved the sound effects, broken bottles, car motors, the sound of people walking, coffee pouring, all of them, and the music too. At the beginning, the end, and sometimes in the background, it lent to the interest of the story. I found the humor, the humorous comments such as Hecubus commenting on playing a round of bridge to Simon's more serious comment about the implied ghastly deed regarding him and Barnabas. As the story continued regarding what was happening in the kitchen, I had the feeling Slimer was going to somehow be involved and waiting to see if I was right. I enjoyed the incorporation of the Ghostbusters into the story. The music at the end, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, seemed quite appropriate to finish with, and amusing as well. Thank you, Daryl War. So that's very nice. Oh, gosh. Mmm. I think this is getting right. Um... For my first time listening, it was pretty good. There are going to be jokes and references I won't catch because I haven't seen all of the movies and TV shows that influenced your show. 
I enjoyed the storyline because it kept me interested and never got boring. I will say that at times I got I lost track of who was speaking because the voices weren't distinctive enough for me. Overall, enjoyable. My first thought about who was miss- messing up the kitchen was the infamous Slimer from the original Ghostbusters. I knew it. I got the impression Barnabas and Maggie are into each other and both are too shy to do anything about it. It left me hoping Barnabas will find some confidence and ask Maggie out the next time they see each other. The outro song was perfect. Great oldie song. And perfect for who Slimer was trash sli- for who Slimer trashing the kitchen scenario. Um, another pen pal. I agree with your observation that text online doesn't sink in to reach people like audio. I quite dislike reading longer stuff online. I can't ingest it properly. I like the idea of trying to focus on constructive praise and the practice of detailing the actual why of why you like or respect a person. I'm going to try and keep this question slash approach in mind. We'll avoid listening to your podcast on a treadmill. Hey, I avoid treadmills devotedly already. Because, <laughs> yeah, I had that. I was worried about people getting hurt because laughing, you know. Uh, hey, radio isn't a demotion from TV. Want something that will both keep you awake and put you to sleep. Yes, exactly what I want out of audio stories. Seems to you took care of six people and several deaths. I had to rewind and listen to that t- to this twice. Yeah, I heard it right the first time. <laughs> it's a mess that no one can clean up. A mysterious kitchen mess that keeps coming back. A kitchen curse. Oh, so you live with someone else too. Someone who can't see a clean counter without putting junk on top of it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, gelatine is always disturbing, whether on a wall or a plate. Ha! If you say the word, all right, the word. Oh my gosh. Faceplant. Enjoying that distressed look from the curling wallpaper. This line reminded me of two things. I have no clue what they're talking about now. Oh well. Citizens of Collinsport have no peripheral vision. It's a very common affliction for fictional characters, isn't it? Wait, was that just a Ghostbusters reference? Yeah, the Ecto-1. Um... Shake, rattle, and roll outro. Fun choice. Ah, uh, I think she tells us what is referred to in the episode at the end, but I have just rattled and rolled into the kitchen where a noisy, noisy dishwasher drowned that out. Well, we're done for now anyway. Next time I'll know it's not over. Till it's over. Thank you. That was entertaining, even though I have no idea who most of these characters are. I think I will be able to pick up on a lot of characteristics just by listening to your show. I will listen to episode two in the not-too-distant future. And see, that's the thing, is that that's why if people have been shocked, like, how should could she get people who aren't into the original shows interested in what she's doing? Because I try to tell the story in a way that will keep you interested. Context is very important. And when something seems a little out of context, it probably isn't so much. I mean, you learn by the associations that you bring in from the original. And so then people who know the original will have their memories peaked. People who don't know the original will start building a memory out of something new. And that's how it works. And that's if you do it as close to the original as you can, then you get people who don't know any of it to recognize things that people who do know the original would recognize. They would just get used to the same people because they're functioning the way the originals do. Wow. Mm, This is what I think it is. Okay. So from 2014, when I was asking for online for people from help before I went to pen pals, uh, a friend that I have lost along the way, 
I want to let you know I listened to episode one of your Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows podcast over the weekend, and I really enjoyed it. It was very funny, and it made me laugh. I enjoyed a good Roger alcohol consumption joke, but what really got me laughing was Burke just randomly knowing a local Ghostbusters team to get rid of the gooey ghosts in Collinwood. That was so cool. I also liked the new servant that took over Willie's position. I thought he was funny. And I also enjoyed the scene between Barnabas and Maggie at the coffee shop. You really got the characters down. And it's a little thing, but over time, I really missed watching Maggie being a waitress. I hope you and your husband had a good weekend, and I'll listen to more episodes when I can. Oh, gosh, the old memories. Oh, O'Sheen, 2014, February. You know, one thing I love about your work is how much the characters really sound like themselves, even when they are saying things that, naturally, they only say in our dreams, fantasies, semi-hysterical musings, etc. Not in the show itself. Things that we wish they would say. Very fun, and I'm going to enjoy exploring a lot more of it. Loved among many lines that I loved. The line about Burke's mountain of machismo. That really does sum the guy up, doesn't it? That chin. Just parentheses. Oh, gosh. And from 2014, when I started redoing things, uh, Helena, she's all, what would Barnabas and Roger do without Wadsworth? Phew. Wadsworth is so tuned into Barnabas that it was almost creepy in a sense, but Wadsworth is efficient in what he does. Happy face. I loved the innuendos in Barnabas is Wadsworth's and Maggie's conversations and the references made between Barnabas and Vicky concerning the seemingly alcoholic inheritance to Roger from Naomi. And I saw how in Barnabas and Maggie's conversation, everything would lead to Margaret Chazette Dupre, meaning the marriage novel. Uh, I liked everything about the dialogues and Slimy Slimer too. And that was really nice to help for Helena to point out. It's like, by episode one, you should know who Barnabas is getting together with. It's going to be the same as in almost every, who he cares about in every version of that he is in Dark Shadows. You know, you got the 60s show where it's like Josette constantly to the point where it bothers people. And it's like, hey, I kind of get it. The annoyance because I had to put myself in his shoes and express that aspect of him. And yeah, it gets tiring, but that's who he is. And if you don't like it, turn it off. You know, that's all I gotta say. When I don't like it, I turn it off. <laughs> but a lot of times, I'm okay with it, because I grew up on Dracula getting his Mina. That's no problem. Not a big deal. But yeah, she, she's like, yeah, you can figure out who's he's gonna end up with by episode one. So it's not gonna be, gonna, gonna be a big shock. It's the journey is how they get there, is all. Let's see. Oh, Warren. Writer is wonderful and should be commended. Shows respect to old and yet a new blood. Dan Curtis would be proud. That's so nice of him to say. Tingler. Oh, gosh. From 2015. Hi, my old most evil one. Both Wadsworth and Roger's entrance were funny. The blending of Wadsworth is seamless, like he was always there. Though he may wish he had just had to deal with Mr. Body. <laughs> A nice flashback for Barnabas and Victoria. The description was great. Plus, being so well-versed in your evil ways, it was an easy guess as to who was creating the mess. A nice flashback for Barnabas and Victoria. The description was great, plus being so well-versed in your evil ways, it was an easy guess as to who was creating the best, meaning Slimer. It was enlightening what Wadsworth saw that the rest of Dark Shadows never did, plus how Barnabas made an ever-so-slight threat that got pushed aside. The Abbott and Costello gag of, if you say I'm smart, dot dot dot. Yes, out of time, at least you didn't play Ghostbusters music mixed with Poltergeist and ah, 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 ah. Oh, what an evil story doth thou weave so much hidden tidbits. 
Uh, actually, we know that Barnabas enjoys pushing the envelope. So, but was that Maggie was hoping to see him after all she went through and us, no amount of hypnosis can wipe all that away. If so, what's her number? I have things I need to forget and got nobody to love. My little tie-in for ya, yeah, haha. We see that Wadsworth has more insight and knowledge. Well, there was my Ghostbusters tie-in, but where is the music? Like the little jabs, light jabs, and small pieces of references of other shows. Again, the remark citations all of La Clue. Yes, let's not call the FBI or the CIA. He might not want Mr. Hoover agents so soon. <laughs> what? No donut with that coffee? Gotta have a bear claw to drown. Okay, yeah. Oh, another friend. I haven't called her in ages. She says, I loved it. I didn't guess that the creature in the kitchen was going to be a ghost from Ghostbusters, but it all came together once the Ghostbusting team showed up. I laughed out loud at a couple of lines. Barnabas saying that he's very familiar with the tedium of an extended lie down cracked me up, and the part about how people in Collinsport have no peripheral vision. I was surprised that Maggie Evans immediately figured out that Dr. Hoffman was a doctor. Your Carolyn voice is very recognizable. You also captured something essential about Vicky's voice. I can't stand Vicky, as you are no doubt aware, and part of it is her voice. Your Vicky voice isn't as annoying as the real thing, but you've got part of it. I've actually spent time trying to figure out exactly how to reproduce that thing in Vicky's voice that irritates me, but I haven't even come close yet. You're at least in the neighborhood. Whether you were thinking of that quality as irritating or not. <laughs> Smile. Now I'm looking forward to hearing the next one in the series. I love how creative you're being with this. I don't know all the fandoms you're pulling from, so sometimes I'll no doubt miss jokes and references, but it's great fun anyway. Now, she kept going for a while. She at least got to episode 5, with my memory of this uh, lady. Interesting comment that you made in your introduction to this episode. As far as Barnabas Collins goes, he is very heavily desired, though not really loved or supported. You were describing the general situation in the fanfiction world, not your writing. I'm going to think about that. I'm new to this whole fandom, so I'm not sure what's out there. And that's the thing is, she watched it when she was a little kid, so she wasn't really that new, but she was kind of new just like, getting back into it years ago. Though, as in any fandom... A lot of bad writing is a given, of course. I love analyzing fanfiction and attitudes towards characters, though. So your comment made me curious. Oh, gosh. Oh, here's Melissa from 2015. She gets to episode one. Wadsworth is fastidious, discreet, canny, and won't be intimidated by Barnabas. In short, the perfect butler for our hero. <laughs> Roger's voice and sardonic delivery are spot on. Some hilarious gems from Roger. It's a wonder you don't blow away, because he never sees Barnabas eat, and describing Burke as that mighty mountain of machismo, and the leprechaun joke, haha. <laughs> Must admit, I couldn't figure out who was trashing the kitchen. Several haunting, several haunting by Jeremiah and or Quentin, question mark. Uh, Wadsworth is astonishingly well-informed. He knows about the Maggie-Josette link, and the abduction-slash-brainwashing related to that link loved Barnabas's dryly delivered line, we could use a bit of humor around here. Yeah, that's good. Funny bits. The Jets' Colts' final score and something out of the toilet chasing one of the parapsychologists. Of course, David is the kitchen-wrecking culprit. Like the way you play up the mental bond between Barnabas, Maggie, e.g. hot plate. 
She reveals to Barnabas that she met Wadsworth before he did. Barnabas's jokes were funny. An extended lie down. Maggie's cute wisecrack about him clacking that stick. Nice reveal that Wadsworth's tip-off about Maggie made Barnabas visit her at the coffee shop. Complimenting Maggie's bed quilt skirts and dress patterns. Flirty way she asked Barnabas to keep complimenting her. Barnabas's wry remark about Rogers hitting the bottle. Wadsworth knows about Julia's medallion mind swipe on Maggie. The compliments Wadsworth suggested Barnabas say worked on Maggie. Yay, nice that Wadsworth is trying to bring them together. He's a healer, that one. Very good, yeah. That's why I thought automatically we need Wadsworth when I got this started. Wadsworth explains that the creature running around the area was none other than a Wincliffe escapee. Pots and pans reference in closing song. Hilarious. Bravo, D. Hugs. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, yeah, okay. So she's uh, another person in 2015. Okay, I listened to this. I made notes on things to comment on. I was laughing so hard. It was funnier this a second time. Okay, first off, I totally agree with you about Barnabas. I feel bad for him, but in all honesty, I've got a crush on Quentin. Hecubus, am I spelling that right, is funny. Loved the Better Homes and Gardens bit. Threw it out in a fit of angst. Roger is spot on. The bit about Wadsworth being a crossdresser and I about died when Maggie said they were so common they don't even have a name, just a coffee shop, and Barnabas giving her compliments and says something about her bed quilt skirt. I hated that thing. Laugh out loud. Loved it. I've got to re-listen to episode two, then start three. Can't wait. So yeah, it starts and then it stops with a lot of people. And I still wait. I still hope and I still wait. It's like, I don't want y'all feeling bad. I want you, if I made this thing for you to feel good and feel better and be a relief series, obviously I'm into feeling good and it's not feeling good by yourself. Share with me because that's why I shared. That's the whole thing. It's whole, you know, like what I was told, purpose of the internet. Well, didn't everybody botch that big time? Lisa, wait, who is this? Is that Lisa? Yeah. Roger goes down to the old house to talk to Barnabas about the problem at Collinwood. When aren't we having a problem? Touché, Roger. Very tongue-in-cheek. The references to a different time when Roger comments that this isn't the 18th century, and Barnabas, ever so drolly, says, it certainly is not funny stuff. Your Maggie Evans is your best of all the voices. One would s- swear it was Catherine Lee Scott. Oh, that was a wonderful thing when I was getting to know Lisa. She was really stuck on that. It's like, whoever this is, this person is getting KLS down. You know, she's just a big fan of Catherine Lee Scott, you know, and rightly so, because that lady's amazing. Loved Maggie's and Barnabas's conversation at the coffee shop. Barnabas is plying her with compliments. Maggie, oh, go on. Barnabas, no, really. And Maggie, I know. I said, go on. <laughs> Love out loud. But the best, and I nearly peed myself, is when Barnabas mentioned the bed quilt skirt. <laughs> oh, and that's nice. You know, when you really get that, you find out who the person is. It means so much more when you know who it is, when you get to know who it is. So, you know, knowing that she wasn't a run-home-from-school kid, but she was like a run-home-from-school kid, she was already home by the time the show was on, because she got driven home, I think. She was just that young. And then, you know, growing the appreciation over the decades for this thing. And, yeah, it's like you, you, you have an understanding of how much you hit home. And that means a lot. And that's another reason discussion is important, is to recognize that and knowing the people and all that. So I think this was a friend I made from church, only one again, 2015. Hecubus being told to close the door that was left open got me laughing out loud. I think you got Roger down practically pat. 
Stuff about Roger being an alcoholic, and I was laughing for remembering that Maggie was lying around, brought back memories of that time for her when Pop and Joe kept her cooped up after her kidnapping. She was so itching to get out and about. The peripheral vision bit was awesome. Loved the line leading up from Clue, can you keep a secret? So can I. The ending song from Clue was marvelous. I'm glad you put your personal reflections at the beginning. Putting them on after the show would make it less fun. So good of you to mention the cane. Bringing back so many memories is a funny way. In a funny way. Thank you. We'll listen more soon. So yeah, that was good. Oh yeah, really dear friend now, pen pal. 2016. Is that when we found each other? Golly. Yeah, I guess so. Why don't we have a sherry and settle down? True, Roger. I enjoy your vocal caricature of him. Slimer, who are you going to call? Funny how Wadsworth had the exposition on everything right in character. You use the characters well, but it doesn't get too clunky with them. Haven't seen Poltergeist in too many years to connect to it, but I enjoyed the scene. You don't have to know the characters to enjoy it, but it is especially amusing when you do. Looking forward to seeing more of Mildred Mayhem, and I caught the transvestite remark. Love, Tim Curry. I like the bit about a single event is hard to stand out in a house full of people. I grew up in a house with extended family, so there is always drama going on. Wadsworth is the true, unshakable English butler. The song Shake, Rattle, and Roll put me in mind of the Ghostbusters rattling on the road with the Slimer flying up to fill the screen, flying at the viewer. So yeah, she actually had visuals in her head that she described, and that was nice. Oh, somebody from 2017. I think this is just online. I was expecting something different, like a whodunit plot with over-the-top Collins deaths, but this was a nice start. I like the dry English style of, of joking. I don't get all the references, but the script works. So yeah. And, um... Oh, I wonder who this was. 2017. Recently discovered your podcast after searching for something to sustain me after losing Hulu and its collection of Dark Shadows episode. I'm only up to 2014, so I'm behind this cart and around the bend from your current episodes. Lovely work. I was surprised to find myself enjoying your introductions as much as the episodes. I love the new path you have, paths you have chosen for our old friends and your personal struggles resonate. For my part, insomnia is only part of the iceberg you see above the water. I could sleep last night means I have traveled down the dark, dark trails of depression, anxiety, etc. alone at night. Many thanks for your wonderful work, and may your nighttime trails lead to friendlier destinations. Oh, I hope so, too. Oh, gosh. I think this was from an email. It was really, you know, it was weird just because it's like, it's what I expected, but it only happened, like, so infrequently, like, so little. So from 2015, I just found your podcast, The Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows. I'm enjoying it a great deal. I love that you like Josette. I always did. But a lot of fandom doesn't. See, this is the assumption... And I think a lot more people, because they enjoy the whole thing and they understand it, it's not like just the few people who like Josette. It's like a ton of us and nobody's speaking up because we're all worried about those louder, you know, people being obnoxious. And I don't know, you know, I just, I grew up differently. I guess I just grew up differently where it's like you just get sick of that and you know that it's wrong and you know that it's not true. That doesn't mean everyone. It means a few loud people who are not nice because they just, they're irritating and they got to get loud. So, and then, you know what happened? Another person who got picked on got very loud and that's me. <laughs> so there you go. You know, and somebody bites back for a change. 
And that's why I say, oh, if only outcast fans are into the main romance, I don't give a darn. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find who they are. I care about them. I understand what it's like to get picked on or to feel like you're getting picked on. So, okay, fine. I don't care. If it's unpopular, fine. I don't care. You know, because you grow up that way. You grow up recognizing that it's all nonsense and that, you know, mass approval is foolish and a waste because it should be about freedom of choice as everybody's always claiming is important and what we have when it's a delicate balance. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's so weird. It's so weird going between what's important and what's just said repeatedly to get people to believe things that should be true that aren't. It's just, it's weird. Okay, so I always did. Well, that's the thing, you know, I'm just asking the characters what they want. Me liking Josette is neither here nor there. Barnabas likes Josette. That's the thing. And you try to, you got to get the guy right. You got to get the characters right. And if that's his fancy, that's his fancy. It's not something that I need to have an opinion about. I just have to get it accurate. That's all. You know, me liking Josette, I don't know if I even like her. You know? And it's, it's just, I like Dark Shadows. So Barnabas loving Josette is part of the deal. You just accept it. It's part of the deal. And if you don't like it, you turn it off. So that's my deal with that. It's like, uh, I was glad to hear you want to explore what kept Barnabas in love with her. Yeah, I did. And I found out. And it's scary. Uh, Josette was really screwed over in Dark Shadows. She just wanted to marry the man she loved. Yeah, I know. She treated Angelique well and gets royally caught in the backlash of Angelique wanting Barnabas. Once Angelique and Barnabas get married, she's not petty or mean about it. Admittedly, I'm one of those kids who ran home from school to watch the show live in 1968. I'm actually one of the ones who ran home and watched it from the beginning before Vampires or even Laura Collins. <coughs> it was slow, but I liked it. So that's really neat. I really like your interpretation of Maggie. You remind... I, I wish this person would get back in touch. You remind me of how warm she was. I liked the joke in the first episode about her blanket skirt. It always looked as if she got up, couldn't find a skirt, and just wrapped her quilt around her. I did love the talk of chamber pots. TV never thinks about the reality of going back in time. No indoor plumbing. No way to keep food for more than a day or so. No way to wash your clothes easily. The stench would have been bad. I will admit, I never saw the kids in the hall. So I'm just going with the flow as far as Sir Simon and Hecubus go. I'm following it pretty well so far. I'm looking forward to The Ghost of Mrs. Muir because, again, I'm old enough that I watched the TV series and remember it. I've seen the movie as well, although that is easier since it's on DVD. Anyway, I'm rationing myself to one episode a night, so I'm not going to binge, but keep it as a treat at the end of the day. Thank you for all your hard work making this series. And, uh, yeah, that was nice. Love for you to get back in touch, if you like. Um, oh, this was interesting. 2017, the shadow is mystique of Dark Hollow to be follow. I'm not quite sure what it means, but hey. Oh, another person. Let's see. I'm trying to remember who this was. It's 2018. I want to know more about the mess in the kitchen and why it was there. The text is very funny, although I don't understand every word. The American English is hard for me. It is, is it possible that you also send me the written text? That would be 
great for me because I could read it while listening and don't miss a word or worst case, the punchline. Could you keep a secret? Yes, so do I. This is my favorite passage so far, I would say. And that's straight out of Clue the movie. Uh, I also do love the sound effects. Do you make it all by yourself? No, uh, here and there. For more review and what jokes I love much, I have to listen again. There were several things I had to smile about. I had enough time to go through the whole episode one several times, and I have to admit, I love it. Most, I like Barnabas and Wadsworth. The dry humor is very funny. I am very curious to see what happens next. In fact, the scripts help, help scripts helps me much because sometimes the speech is so fast. And besides, I learned some new vocabulary like crossdresser. Never heard the word before. With hearing your show, I got new plans for this year. See Clue and Dark Shadows series. This makes me so curious. I've read about the story, and I think I've seen it, but I can't remember. The idea of different endings is fascinating. Did you read or hear about that perhaps Clue will be remade by now? Uh, I don't think it was. There's been a lot of um, offshoots and um, things that sort of, you know, regale it or, you know, celebrate it, but I don't think there's ever been a remake, which is fine with me, you know. It's bad enough that they brought in, you know, they got rid of Mrs. White and brought in whoever the extra doctor lady was. It's like, ah, whatever. I don't need that. Mmm. This was nice. It was actually from, oh, I think 2013. Uh, from a friend who, again, lost over the years because of all the crazy big tech drama. Um... Dark Shadows as it should have been, this viewer fully admits, I had no experience with the kids in the hall prior to enjoying the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows, but I played catch-up and now appreciate this podcast even more. So here's what we have here. The coolest blend of Dark Shadows, Clue, Kids in the Hall, The Golden Girls, and more. Normally, I avoid anything smelling even remotely like fanfiction, but I love this. Truly, my problem with most fanfiction is that it tends to be written by those who don't really seem to understand the characters, or perhaps he or she hasn't spent much time getting very deep into the story, etc., so how amazing is it that someone has such a solid grasp on who each of the characters is that they can be put in new situations but never stop being identifiable as the characters we know and love? I am hungry for more. Oh, here's a fellow. I don't think I've mentioned previously my suspicion that your version is superior to what was on TV originally. I've seen almost none of the original show, but I'd be surprised if their storylines or developing character personalities and relationships are as satisfying as yours. The only way for me to confirm this theory would be to watch episodes of the original show, which I'm afraid is a pretty low priority for me. Good heavens, the monkeys were still recording or recording again in 2016, so that was put in 2021. And I should probably wrap up this portion of what I've got. Oh, it's okay. Now I've got to figure out how to say this. So I was, um, I had had a uh, previous retrospective for episode one that didn't involve any of the reviews, and that ended up being over two hours, and I thought, oh, that's just, you know, I want to talk about the reviews, because there are so many reviews, and that is my way of including as many people as tried to help me in the beginning, or what they felt was the beginning, even though I'd been doing that for years already, as I possibly could. And one fun bit, I had mentioned my cousin was in town, several weeks ago he was in town, doing some uh, family stuff for a family member who had passed away, just, you know, wrapping up uh, legalese and all that. And I was able, so nice, I was able to thank him for introducing me to Star Trek The Next Perpetration, 
and telling him, you know, I wanted to celebrate when I achieved this, but I am pretty sure that I have more episodes in the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows than Star Trek The Next Perpetration have. I can't remember. I have to go through my old files, and I can't find those. Of, I can't remember if it was 17 or 19, but either way, I exceeded Pit episodes versus Star Trek episodes. And I wanted to celebrate that, but I can't remember when it happened. <laughs> I'm going to have to go through my files someday and, and retroactively celebrate that. So I told him, thank you very much for introducing me to that series and that idea. And then also for doing the recordings, because I would give him cassette tapes when he was staying with, you know, at my old house. And uh, he would do these recordings and he was able to do all the sound effects somehow with whatever computer he had on hand out in the garage he would be able to do this and then he would finish and the four of us my you know eventual my boyfriend at the time eventually had my husband and then both of my cousins and we'd all four of us like lay around just lounge around and listen to these recordings he'd made and just have so much fun just thinking oh my gosh this is so ridiculous this is just the idea is so ridiculous and it's so funny because it's just completely absurd and we could imagine it and it was part of how the pit of ultimate dark shadows came into being because of that influence of and it's a takes a long time influence not just like oh you go on social media be instantly influenced by all these people instantly influenced by some dude you know or some chick or whatever like it wasn't like that it was like it was long-term slow influencing and it makes a grander impact when it happens that way so i was able to tell <laughs> I was able to tell my cousin and uh and I guess he was listening. I didn't know till many years later that he was listening. So hi, if you're still listening now. I was able to thank him for introducing me to that and also doing the recordings for us so we could have fun listening to him do all the voices and putting in the sound effects from however he got them and on the computer to be able to, to just pit, press the right button at the right time to like have the transporter go or have a door open or shut on the Enterprise, whatever was going on, he was able to just to get these sound effects and like press a button very immediately so it would be on the tape. And it was sad because we'd always, he'd have to reuse cassettes because we would like play the episode out that he'd recorded and then it was like, oh, well, we need another episode. So we'd make another episode and then we'd listen to that again. And I got some old ones somewhere. Well, I gotta go through all my stuff and I know I've got a few clunky old things somewhere, which likely if the episode's on there, it would play out and then whatever the previous episode was, there'd be like the tail end of that after the newer one had ended. Stuff like, you know, you just get that on the recordings, on tape, uh, cassette recordings. So it was nice to be able to tell him like, thank you for that inspiration because it was the right thing for the creation of the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows to have it be multi-fandom and radio drama. And he didn't create Star Trek Next Perpetration. He just found it online. And it was, I think, begun in the late 90s. Maybe it careened over into the aughts, but it was like a late 90s script. And he'd make these recordings, and they were just so much fun and so brilliant. And every once in a while, he'd do the same thing that I did in the early Pit episodes, where you just say the sound effect. You don't have the sound effect. Like, there was some awkward romance scenes, and he would say out loud, clothes fall. <laughs> Stuff like that. So... <laughs> <laughs> just weird stuff. I said, so yeah, thank you very much for that inspiration. And hey, look at me now. Everyone hates me. <laughs> and he laughed. We've all laughed just because, yeah, it's so ridiculous. But yeah, just the absurdity. And I, there was so much, you know, 
yeah, look at me now and how much I've achieved and everyone hates me. Just because we know that that's kind of impossible and improbable, but there was another time in my life where it was closer to true. And again, a lot of it happened because of the need of group approval that we unfortunately have. And unfortunately, what's happened reminds me a lot of what happened to me in public school. So this will be pretty difficult to put a fine point on or to be even to able to narrow down uh, trying to explain what the situation was because, you know, I'm sure there's been a lot of weird discussion either well-founded or not well-founded as to my personal history and that was being ostracized and picked on by what often felt like an entire school but was more like an entire class and then the perimeters of that class so it would spread like anything bad spreads like weeds that kind of thing it just sort of hooks on and wasn't something that went viral necessarily it was more just kids pick up on what other kids are doing and they emulate it and they mimic it and they go along with it because they get the idea that that's what the group prefers whether it's wrong or right you know that's not really important to the kids so yeah there was a lot of harassing and picking on and ostracizing and name calling and and it proceeded on into middle school or when I entered, it was junior high school that became a middle school later. And it just on kept going. And even up into ninth grade, there were problems. So, I mean, it just... The mentality would not quit. There was just something about me that was embedded in these kids' minds. That I was just the cootie girl. Whatever. I just make up anything. Just come up with whatever. And as it turns out, even though I have this great idea and a ton of people like it, there is this same phenomenon where, oh, you know, when I go to look at where the people are talking, they're saying nasty things about Daryl. Therefore, I need to clam up in kind of the same way that if you like Barnabas and Josette, or just Barnabas, or just Josette, you have to clam up because when you go into the Collinwood classroom, meaning the DS fan groups, the louder people dislike Josette. They dislike Barnabas, so you can't speak up, can you? It's kind of like that. <laughs> so, my experience, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to help anybody with this discussion, but I felt it was best to try. So... What happens in that situation where you're heavily ostracized to the point where the only way to get out of it is to get a transfer? And do you have any idea how difficult a transfer is in, like, the 1980s or even the early 1990s? I mean, it's just... The faculty will do everything in their power to keep you there, to tell you it's going to get better the next year, to tell the parents that it's going to get better the next year, or just... To pull all this crap, just this phony baloney garbage to try and get it all to work out. I mean, it doesn't work. And I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who had similar things, even if they weren't as grandiose as what I had. Just, oh, it's just a lot of time wasting. And it's weird, too, because I don't think it was even worth the candle. 
whatever the reason is, you know, it's like the claim is the kid's self-esteem. They don't care about that. And we, oh, who went to school back then, we all know they didn't care about that. They didn't even understand where we were coming from. So, a lot of garbage. Um, but yeah, it got so bad that sometimes I was taken out of the classroom or the teacher would take the opportunity, if I was out sick, to have a hard talking to with the entire class about how they were treating me throughout that school year and try to get the other students to understand that it wasn't nice or how it would feel, that kind of thing. And I would get some apologetic behavior for a little while. I mean, it it worked for a little while. Like, try to include her, blah, blah, blah. And long-term... Didn't really do much good. Short term, there was a ripple. I definitely noticed a ripple. They did their best, the teachers. But, uh, and I think even the students tried to do their best to try and come to grips with what was happening year after year after year. (laughs) So now, as it so happens, eventually I get the transfers that I need. I get the heck out of all that nonsense. And you become adults or close to adults or teenagers or whatever, you know, in your late teens, early 20s, you become adults and you encounter each other. And my experience of the grown students encountering me was this strange need for casual approval. And it was the kind of thing that I wasn't sure what the grown students were trying to get out of me, but there was, uh, there I was, I was this reflection of what a nasty child they had been, and they don't want to think of themselves in that way, of course, the kids who had grown up. There are these reflections of this bad behavior that had been enacted, and that's not nice. You get older, and you start to recognize, and I'm not sure any of these students ever did recognize that it was a groupthink mentality, that it was something on the order of monkey see, monkey do, because I'm sure each person had invested in himself or herself. What was warranted as an individual and what was okay in behavior, what was acceptable in whatever groups that they were currently in, And I was not a good reflection, you know, standing before them as a grown person of of who that person wanted to be. So in order to deal with that, the grown person would try to get some sort of approval out of me, like something that would validate their okayness, so to speak, that they were somehow honorable overall. And I couldn't erase what happened. And I think that was what we would all come to the understanding of, whoever I encountered later in life. There really was nothing I could do other than be happy that we were all moving on. <laughs> and, yeah, it uh, it never was quite like that uh, Kevin Bacon thing in the old Flatliners movie. I think they've remade Flatliners since the, the first one in the early 90s. Um, but yeah, it it never turned out that way, where the person comes to you saying, I was terrible and I apologize. That never happened to me. It was more this attempt to garner approval from me like nothing bad had happened in our past. 
And it was something I just couldn't really do enough of, I guess, to assure whoever was trying to get it that everything was fine or that it had been fine. I couldn't erase what happened. That was not within my power. That was not in, within the person's power. You know, nobody had that power to erase what happened when we were ch- children. So then I see this new version of it in my adulthood with something that's very important to me. And on top of it, then I'm finding out through Humane Tech and other people involved with Humane Tech and the social dilemma, wow, here is this crazier version of what I'd previously gone through. And it's involved in something as silly as fan fiction, etc., etc., and just whatever on earth the powers that be wish to play with or that wishes to have played upon them, I suppose. But in the end, we discover that a lot of this stuff is surveillance manipulation and being used for the sake of making money. So not only is it a similar phenomenon in the groupthink of monkey see, monkey do, and you pick on somebody to gain approval from the group, it's in a situation in where your idiosyncrasies have been scraped, your data's been scraped, and you can be easily manipulated as to what you will pay attention to. And so while you're gaining approval or what you think is approval from all these other people, it's being used to make money, to get attention and sell advertising. So you could say all these nasty things about Daryl or thinking you're getting approval from the group. And when you learn what's been happening, you discover there is a circus animal training that's happened to you. So not only is it similar to what what happened to me in school and what may have happened to you in school as well. There's another facet. You're a full-grown adult and your attention is being manipulated in this same way to sell advertising, to make money for a company who has that data, who knows how to get your attention and maneuver what you're going to look at or maybe where you're going to drop some, uh, some more hate speak about me or somebody else, whatever it might be. That I really, I couldn't wash away what happened to me and the other kids who were mean to me in grade school and junior high, etc. There was no way I could wash that away. They couldn't wash it away. So I'm not sure what to do for all the adults or whatnot who have to come to terms with this much bigger thing as far as the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows is concerned and Daryl War is concerned. The only thing I can think of to do is to offer this information to you and ask you what to do. What do we do? I really don't know. So that is all I can really offer, is to tell you what happened to me. And if it happened to you or anyone else that you might have known, you can compare what's going on between you and I that you might think is not direct, but it kind of is. Because there's all these people who want to talk to me but they can't talk to me because they're worried about somebody getting wind of it or maybe me talking about it. And I felt that was an important thing to say in this particular show about episode one with so much discussion from so many people who might recognize the discussion that was put in and think, well, I wonder if I get in touch with Daryl now if she'll be mad at me. <sighs> too tired, really. <laughs> too tired to be upset. Or... um. You know, I wanted to um, 
say that, you know, as, as usual, as I've been saying for 10 years now, I'd love for you to get in touch and discuss either the next episode or the last episode. I've often said, if you want to help, the last released episode is the one to discuss, if you possibly can, so that I eventually get the five substantial discussions from it to give up the courage to build a new one. So 20 could be released because 19 was discussed by enough people. And so if 23 is the last one out there being released, 24 can be released if I get enough discussion for 23 and so on. And that is the subscription that I need in the Pit of Ultimate Dark Shadows. So yeah, I'm not really sure what else to express. And yeah, it was terrible back then. But again, you know, I'm through all the troubles and awkwardness of various childhoods and teenhood and 20s and 30s, um, you finally find something that gives back that you just want to pour your whole heart into. And I did, and it kept on giving, and now I really do want, and, and, and to be able to say that we'd gotten so far away from narrative discussion. It was something that we just did automatically for like a century. And we didn't have a word for it. We didn't have the word narrative discussion. It took me going through this to come up with what we were doing back then. And to, and you know, the whole spoiler thing, book reviews used to just lay it all out. This is what the book is. I mean, there's still some old weblogs out there and they really do detail all the stuff that's in the book, like what I did with The Ghost of Mrs. Mirror, the book, on pitofultimatedarkshadows.wordpress.com. I did that entry, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, the book, and I talked about the book in full summary of just about everything that happened, not every last detail, because that would be me reading the entire book to you. And uh, I got a copy of a great reader of it who did a wonderful job. And that was what we did, you know, in the 90s and in the aughts. We discussed the whole book. We weren't worried about spoilers because I guess we knew that if you don't talk about the story, somebody's not really going to maintain their interest. They're going to just be like, well, if you're going to just dangle it at me and tell me to spend a bunch of money when I might not like it because you won't tell me what it's about, then I'm not going to spend the money. Like, why? You know, I don't even want to spend the time on you just dangling, get it, get it, get it, and you have to in front of me. This is not how we operated back then. And somehow we changed, and that really scared me because I knew that was not what we were previously. But there's a lot of old book reviews out there that just give it all away. And it, they do that because they know that's what got our interest. If we were able to read an entire summary, and we were particularly worried about knowing too much, we'd stop reading it, and we'd go and just get the book. Well, I want to be a part of it. Let's find out. And uh, then there's all this lengthy stuff where it's not really a review. It's just ripping it to shreds. It's just ripping it apart and having a hissy fit over somebody else writing a book and selling it. So, yeah, you don't really want to bother with even that kind of review, much less going out and buying the book. So... Yeah. And again, was I trying to make money with this thing? No. From the beginning, I said I felt I was doing some major free advertising, and I think I have done. I very much wonder at how much that has happened. And I still wonder if I was able to obtain a copy of the Ghost of Mrs. Muir book reprint due to me making such a big fuss, you know. And did I make a fuss? Did I make enough of a fuss to get that book reprinted? 
I don't think so, but it's, you know, you never know. It would be nice. It would be nice to have somebody sort of wafting through, oh, Ghost of Mrs. Mirror. Hey, don't we have the copyright for that? Yeah, maybe we should reprint that. You know, somebody wants a copy. Yeah. yeah why don't we do that? Why not? <laughs> I would presume that if it happened because of me, it would have gone down kind of like that. <laughs> hmm. You know, chin scratching and then making a decision from chin scratching. But yeah, I, um, I wish the shy folks who love this show or even enjoy listening to me blab all these years, I wish I knew some way to unburden your shyness and get you to contact me and discuss everything with me if you possibly can. I, uh, would really like that. Would really appreciate that. I would really enjoy it. I mean, there was a fellow, you know, he didn't really know Dark Shadows, but there were times where he was giving me his discussion. Lord Grow. Mr. Awesome. That's what I've dubbed you. Um, where he's like, it feels like you put this joke in there just for me, and I could finally tell somebody who was listening I did. Because this is from a rerun kid to a rerun adult. That's what this show kind of is. And that's how I was trying to formulate it. How much nostalgia in humor can I pack into this thing? That everybody's going to have something that was they felt was just for him or her. How much can I do? And just, I keep doing it. I keep trying. I keep wanting to go for more. Just pull everything out. I mean, who's not going to know about Magic 8-Balls? Or even, gosh... Yeah, some people wouldn't know about cribbage, but you could look it up. Or, uh, snooker. You know, I like how the snooker played snooker, and then all the balls turn into eight balls, and then all the eight balls turn into magic eight balls. You know, like, somebody's along the way, and I try to creep everything in. I was trying to creep it all in, so that you don't know what's coming until the all due respect list is already there, and you kind of go, oh yeah, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. So... That kind of stuff. Like, it was nice to be able to tell a person through correspondence. Yes, it was for you. I was waiting for you. And a lot of people that I'm sure have felt the same way. I'm still waiting to hear from you. If you felt there was a joke that was meant for you, come and tell me. And I will likely let you know it was. (laughs) Or like another very dear friend I've made over the years. She was blown away. Because she was, she would try to get some of the references and she'd like really be scratching her her head and she'd be like, there was one where it was Milton the Monster was the reference where it was about the dream curse and, you know, like Hoffman was saying, yeah, it just started to be like these recaps from Milton the Monster cartoons and Bart was like, Milton the Monster? And then I think Milligan's like, after Dr. Hoffman explains you know, how animation works. I mean, you probably have to go through so much to say, okay, so there's this thing called film. You know, I have to explain this thing called film and then motion pictures and then how motion pictures work. I mean, you probably have to show them a flip book to show them how motion pictures work and then go into cell animation and how cell animation works and that you take pictures of all this stuff that's been carefully put together and then audio, how to do the voiceovers for the cartoons and figure that out and how complicated that is. And that's why I think it was episode six. Hoffman's too tired to go on explaining other things because she's just gone through 
the history of animation and how animation works, cell animation for films, because that would be Milton the Monster. Now, the pen friend, she was able to look for stuff online back then, and she was like, I don't know, I don't know if I remember Milton the Monster, and then she sort of looked it up, and she was like, oh my gosh, and this flood of childhood memories came back. She's like, oh my gosh, it was so buried, but there it is, Milton the Monster. And that was a pointer that Clover gave me many years ago, where I was discussing trying to input so many things from the 1960s. Is there anything from the 1960s that's spooky that I have not added? And Clover said, try Milton the Monster. And she said later that she didn't even know it that well. She just remembered kind of a passing knowledge sort of of it, like a reference to it. And so it was like, okay. And then I didn't even do that much research on Milton the Monster. I think I'd love to watch it. It looks like a kind of goofy cartoon. But yeah, and for that particular pen pal, who was very effusive with her discussion, and back then she was like, why are you thanking me so much? It's nothing. Well, apparently it means the world to a lot of the people tuning into this show because you still haven't given it. To her, she thought, oh, it's nothing, me talking and talking about, you know, what I like and and the narrative and all that. It was nothing. She's like, no, what? Don't quit thanking me. It's nothing to me. And for me, it was everything because all y'all couldn't be arsed. <laughs> like, for some reason, there's like, there's some hypnosis going on with the rest of the universe on the internet. So, but she was so grateful to be reminded of Milton the Monster and have all these childhood memories flood back in. Just, it blew her mind. But it was also nice because she was able to go and look up episodes of it so that those memories could come back to her. So she could have ample footage and presumably the audio of it to go back to that childhood and all the episodes that she might have seen as a kid. This is big. Just these little things. All you have to do is just do a tiny bit of research, drop a few things, and then you've given somebody a nostalgic gift that you don't really know that much about. And knowing about association and knowing how my own nostalgia works, I knew that was all I needed. You know, you just have to plant some seeds and let them grow. And so, yeah, if you, um, if you can get in touch, if you're capable of getting in touch, think about those kids who tried to get my approval later in life and how there was nothing I could do to wash away all the bad that happened. There's still nothing I can do other than explain to you that there's nothing I can do. It takes cooperation. And cooperation is something that humans have been very, very good at, if you know any history. Not just war history, but cooperation, mundane history, recipes, old recipes, that kind of stuff. That's the history I would like to see. History books focused on cooperation rather than destruction. Wouldn't it be lovely? I don't know. I think so. And um, so I think that's what I'd like to leave y'all with, is um, hope for the future. And as always, to get in touch, email xoiscythe at hotmail.com. I repeat, xoiscythe at hotmail.com. And I can let you know what it means if you want to know what it means. The uh, email address itself. And... um, and yeah, there's maybe a lot of questions you want to ask, especially ones that you've gossiped about and ruminated and gotten the wrong answers for. You might want to get the right ones and actually get in touch with me. That kind of thing. So, 
That's why I say for the humble and loving portion of my audience, because why would I want to encourage anti-fans and hate speak for rewards? Why would I want to do that? And that's why I say for the humble and loving portion of my audience, take care. <laughs>